As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics on NPR, a two true freaks guide <laughs> to heroes on TV. And I'm Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor, all things considered. Uh, and I'm joined, hopefully, by uh, the hair metal hero, Brian Hughes, Patrick Dumore. Are you all still there? Yeah, we're all yeah, still yeah, there. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now I wow, you just went through that so fast, we, we needed to catch up. Great. Hold on. <laughs> the fuck? We'll do it live! <laughs> Hello? Yeah, we're all still here. Well, <laughs> you would like that. I unplugged my freaking headphones. <laughs> Alright. Take five. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. I'm Scott McGregor, we're continuing your preacher cast with the hair metal hero here, Chris Tyler. Yo. Mr. Brian Hughes, one of our regular contributors. Howdy ho! And Patrick Dunmore back with us once again. He actually came back for more of his abuse. Hello, everybody! There he is, from Seattle, Washington. Um, and we're continuing our, our preacher coverage. Still a week behind, unfortunately, so sue us. Season 2, Episode 6. Anyone want to take a shot at this title? Sokosha, maybe? Sure. Let's go with that. Uh, send all complaints about language and grammar to weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. We must be perfect because nobody sends us any hate mail. <laughs> We're not doing um, something right then. That's right. I've tried and tried. Uh, we even had, you know, seriously borderline PC, you know, jokes last week and nothing. But Yeah, my cousin was not impressed when she listened to the show and she's a raunchy gal. Uh-oh. Well, uh, now she'll be less impressed that I said that. I should have been open to you. <laughs> so if it isn't emailed to us, it didn't happen. Uh, well, so. she should just get the sand out of her vagina and move on. <laughs> <laughs> and is, that like, is that like Dr. Joyce Brothers? Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> dust, boss. isn't it? I mentioned I have a new girlfriend that might listen to this occasionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna shut well, you guys don't have a water pit, do you? No, no water bed. Okay. <laughs> no cherry floats going on. <laughs> a little too old for that. Uh, so, yeah, season two, episode six. Thank God I have editing powers over this show. Uh, and then I usually forget to edit everything I'm supposed to. An African-American couple is in the doctor's office getting ready to phase a procedure, and the doctor sets up his machine to monitor his leg. And once it's done, he extracts, extracts a vial containing a clear substance. He then uh, heads to a mansion to see if the substance matches a woman named Mildred's DNA. And I have to kill my cat for a second, so excuse me. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's definitely going on the mix. Demon Kitty is with us tonight recording various crashes and annoying things. 
And, uh, yeah. Let's see here. Um, anyway, uh, he turns it into a consumable for uh, Mildred, who is definitely having some dementia issues. She's basically not even with us when we first meet her. And it instantly restores her memory of her husband. Her husband writes a nice little check for like $2.7 million, I think it was. And then the doctor goes back to his truck, and we see that he has hundreds of these same little test tubes. And, uh, and we roll credits. And uh, I'm assuming you all figured it out as I kind of did that this was probably a soul broker of some kind. I didn't uh, pick up on it right away. Wasn't but... really sure. I mean, my, I think my mind finally worked it out by the time the credits rolled. But it's like, okay, well, this is a bit different. Uh, yes. But, but it was an, it's a setup for necessary stuff later on, kids, so take notes. So that wasn't in the comics? No. I know. I don't remember that at all. No, 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 no. It was. Wow, we're going into uncharted territory. I love it. Totally, yeah. I think they were a, they were a match because uh, her family used to own his family back in the uh, antebellum days. What? I, I, Did I totally yeah. missed that? Yeah, they're living in like a plantation house. That's true. I didn't oh. even think of that. That oh. would not They surprise. could have had a familial connection. Yeah, Interesting. True. I didn't even think of that. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's the part I didn't... Whoa, then that means something else that we'll discuss later. Well, yeah, oh, very well could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is, as I said, set up for some stuff coming later, and really, yeah, I, I kind of figured out what was going on, but I didn't know how they were going to work it into the context of the rest of our show. Well, let's get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, back with our regular crew, Cassidy is looking in on Dennis, who is having a bout of some very unhealthy-sounding coughing, and he, he tries to help him tie his shoes, but he gets very upset with Cassidy and spouts a lot of French. And did you translate for us this week, Brian? Or? No, I did not. <laughs> That's all right. We, we, we get some exposition later on, on Dennis, so no translation necessary. Yeah. Um... But the trio are having some breakfast, blissfully unaware that the saint is on their trail. And uh, Cassidy starts apologizing to Jesse again, but uh, Jesse's, like, unconcerned because assuming maybe him and Tulip made up the night before, he seems pretty happy. And Cass kind of fishes for a reciprocation on the apology, but Jesse <laughs> just tells him he's forgiven. Poor Cass. Poor Cass, man. He's, he's my favorite murdering vampire guy. Uh, <laughs> Cassidy suggests a club where you can uh, make money by getting shot while wearing, you know, a bulletproof vest. File that one away, too, kids. <laughs> Jesse reminds them that they need to be looking for God, though. So Cassidy's like, "Yep, yeah, got it. Uh, you know, illegal shooting club, not on the, not on the menu today." They discuss the men in white a bit, and Jesse casually brings up Lara, the, uh, the, I think it was the Laura, maybe, yeah, Laura Featherstone. Uh, the singer from a few episodes back, and you know, you'd see he's trying to go it on Tulip's uh, envy a little bit and jealousy, and she does uh, kind of break finally and asks him why he's so excited about her. And when she asks what happens finally, uh, Jesse snaps back by saying, "Well, at least I didn't marry her." Boom! <laughs> yeah. Or like drop. Uh, <laughs> all the while, the Santa Killer is making his way to their location, of course, and Victor's daughter is leading the way. And she points him to a door, but she, she flees right away. Like a smart girl. And his first victim is a man who is armed and threatens the saint. Uh, but his hand is and his gun are turned into a glorious pretzel thing before he's shot. Uh, that was a nice little, little effect. Um, 
It looked painful. Yes, yes it did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when asked the uh, the big question, where's preacher? Uh, he says that there's no preacher here because he's Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a rabbi laying around here for you, but no preacher. Um, the saint goes room to room, killing his way to Jesse, mostly with his sabers. We get to see him wielding his sword a little bit. The gunshot from his first victim, though, is so powerful that it penetrates the back of Jesse's fridge as well as his yogurt. There's a funny scene with, you know, Jesse's kind of like, oh, what happened here? And it actually takes him far too long to figure it out, in my opinion. I'm not sure Jesse's always the sharpest tool in the show. He's not. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you know, considering his background, you figure that he would have figured that what was going on in a moment. But it's like, you know, Find an elephant's footprint in the butter. You just yeah, don't expect so. it. <laughs> the, the yogurt doesn't usually come with bullets. Sometimes some granola, rarely bullets. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he finally figures it out when he sees the bullet is basically sizzling. And uh, then the saint of killers uh, finally shows up, but they've already fled, or most of them anyway. But we zoom in on a sign that says, The Day the Dying Died, a tribute to Ganesh. <laughs> and, and Jesse relays the news that the, the Fjord is dead dead, as uh, Cassidy puts it. And they decide they, they can't run, so they, they plan to confront him. And uh, to get, get some more insight on the Santa Killers, the trio go to the library and read up on as many books about him as they can, including what looks like actual preacher comics. Yes. That's from, the, that's from the one shot. Right, that's what I thought. I just yeah, so well done, mad bastards behind this show. We're getting a little meta there. Cassidy is also playing with a viewmaster, which he remarks he used to do a lot while on acid. And uh, I, I'm, I'm ashamed. I don't think I ever thought of using a viewmaster while on acid. <laughs> You know, I, I used a Viewmaster a lot, never on acid. <laughs> and I can tell you, it was still trippy. Oh, yeah. I used to have, like, a pile of Viewmaster movies. I have got Charlie Brown in 3D fused into my head for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> You're not supposed to look at the Viewmaster directly into the sun. I think maybe that was it. That's right. It was my Eclipse viewer. Hey! <laughs> yeah, we, we got an Eclipse coming soon. I can yeah. go find it. Charlie Brown's head is eclipsed by... <clears throat> the moon. <clears throat> uh, thanks to Tulip, uh, we are listening to uh, the American Psychopaths audiobook. <laughs> yeah. we, get, we get a recap of the saint's origin, and we find out he's the only living man without a soul. And this seems to turn on a little light bulb in Jesse's head, although I don't think he realizes at the time. Um, but again, they've kind of gone back to this, well, let's recap season one for people a little bit, and I don't know, it, it, it was done very deftly. Yeah. You know, this is a nice little way to do exposition and reading up on the villain. And um, I was surprised how effective it was, actually. But, yeah, it essentially tells us the whole scene that we saw in season one and then just kind of adds on the, you know, the only person without a soul uh, to move the plot along. But it was a nice little recap. And uh, it actually kind of reminded me. I mean, it's almost like a, a Harry Potter scene, and it almost kind of reminded me of of the Deathly Hallows scenes in the movies, where we get this kind of little animation story of oh yeah, of the Deathly Hallows, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer too. Yeah, indeed. Oh yeah, where they fight the monster. Scoobies, yep. Good reference drop. Definitely got. <laughs> um, yeah, sadly. No real reason to use the 
the Anya bunnies up here, but maybe I'll rustle up some other Buffy stuff. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we also find out that the next chapter of American Psychopaths is Dick Cheney, which I found humorous. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, Cassidy suddenly, suddenly realizes they forgot to bring Dennis along with yeah. them. <laughs> and uh, so he, he tries to give him a call. And when the, the Santa Killers has him cornered, Jesse is gets on the phone and is actually able to... He's not really able to use Genesis through the phone, but he gets the saint to hear him with it anyway. And uh, to lure his attention, you know, he's like, basically, it's like, I'm coming to you, don't kill the old guy, you know, let's have this out. So when Jesse returns to the apartment, he tells Santa Killers, kill me and the deal's off, uh, referring to the deal he made with the angels to basically get to heaven and see his family again. And he he says it's like there's no one around to grant your your wish or to seal the deal. Uh, you know, Fior made the bargain without knowing that God has taken a little vacation. And so he goes and shows him Mark's audition tape to prove it to him. <laughs> so I'm never tired of watching that. Uh, Jesse says he can offer something better, the power to send him to heaven. You know, but he Saint doesn't know if he's bluffing or not. We almost think that Jesse kind of is. And he, he gives him a time limit of one hour to bring him what he needs to get him to heaven, which supposedly Jesse knows. Um, yeah, we also he also has to leave Tulip, Cassidy, and Dennis with the saint as collateral. And they all die in an hour if Jesse's not back. So now we get into some juicy stuff. Jesse goes into a place called Papa Baby's House of Voodoo, asks for a soul to buy. The man working uh, pretends not to know what he's talking about, but Jesse kind of calls him out by his knowledge of the uh, soul-pulling tools that the guy has around the shop. <laughs> and he introduces himself as uh, Jesse L'Angel. I'm sure I'm saying wrong, but... Girl, want to check me on that? L'Angel? Uh, L'Angel? I'm not, I'm not French. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Langel, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think it was Langel. I Langel. just watched it. Like, sure, Langel, that works. It sounds French. Langel, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sexy Langel. Oui, oui, je suis Exactly. Uh, he's told the Japanese soul brokers that we saw at the beginning here are uh, putting all the mom-and-pop soul shops out of business, <laughs> yeah. including almost Angelville, but uh, Jesse wants to find any other way than, than going there for one. Yeah. Um, also, it would probably take too long. But suddenly, in plot convenience, the truck from the cold open shows up, and uh, which just so happens to translate to soul happy go go. Yeah. Oh, it's just fucking just side splitting. <laughs> even Genesis can't get the doctor to open the door since he's too focused on an avocado toast podcast, which I'm sure has some hidden meaning I have no clue about. He calls for Tula for some advice, and she also tells basically advice on how to break into an armored car. She's like, why? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm breaking into an armored car. Uh, but she tells him that Dennis is sick and, and doesn't have his meds. Uh, it's a very funny little exchange with you know her listing down all these ingredients to make explosives, and he's like, I'm standing here on the street, Tula, but I don't have you know fertilizer on me. And then suddenly there's a hardware store. So. Classic. He goes to buy this stuff for some homemade C4, uh, but even that's not enough to blow the doors off. But it does, however, attract the attention of the police. Back to our, our little group, Tulip wonders why Cassidy is so attached to Dennis and asks what we've all kind of been thinking is if he's his father, but he's actually Cassidy's son. 
uh, and the deadbeat dad has not even bothered to learn French <laughs> all these years. Um, I actually did not see that coming. I figured it was going to be his dad, uh, but you know, being older vampire, probably should have thought about that one too. Well, you forget, you forget how old Cassidy actually is because he's like, yeah. you know, potato fam in Ireland old. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be getting the story of that whole thing down the road somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't think that was in the comics either, was it, Hero? I don't remember. Yeah, it's in the, they do his time. backstory in the comics. Yep. Okay, I don't remember his son though. But, no, no, that's that's whole cloth of the show. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was definitely a little surprise for me too. That, that French did not see that coming. Tulip asked the Santa Killers to let Dennis go since he's sick. Since he's sick, he doesn't respond. But when uh, he she brings up his little girl, you know, she kind of tries to go for the psychological warfare, plan of sympathy, and he don't like that very much. No. Grabs her forcibly by the throat, and she's clearly freaked out, like even more than usual, by the touch of this creature from hell. And he obviously, did something to her. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse has worded himself up some cop minions, and he finally gets in the truck, but he can't find a soul that matches. So he chooses a soul that doesn't match. Uh, well, no, no, the doctor warns him that choosing a soul that doesn't match is like organ donation and will cause the body to reject it violently. So as a last resort, Jesse offers uh, to test his own soul, and it's the only thing that matches, of course. And uh, the least he can give is 1%. The whole setup before was that you can sell a fraction of your soul, essentially, you know, get some money. So Jesse goes for 1%. And even so, it's taking a painfully long time to, to extract. But when it's finally ready, Jesse faces a race against time to get back to the apartment. He doesn't uh, technically make it back in time. He's close. So the saint pulls Tulip aside and takes out his sword. And another great little scene. Cassie attempts to stop him by grabbing the sword and slices all of his fingers off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just finger bites galore. Which apparently the hand pretzel earlier on took up most of the effects budget because that was actually kind of a, na- a bad finger CGI dismemberment. Uh, they, they almost should have gone practical for that one. Yeah, what could you do? Well, you know, we got the point. Uh, don't so grab the sword. Yeah. <laughs> or the edge, mostly. <laughs> uh, so when... Uh, Jesse hands him the soul, he tells him to get on his knees, um, and after initially refusing it, he repeats the request with Genesis, and he correctly guessed that it didn't work on him earlier, um, because he was the only person without a soul. So now he has part of Jesse's soul, and he's under the thrall of the voice. He disarms the Santa Killers and tells them there's no place for him in heaven. Thought Jesse was getting a little self-righteous here, you know. He's like, you, you don't deserve to go to heaven and see your family again. You murder people. Uh, Jesse? Jesse? <laughs> well, that's... Murder. If you're going to describe I mean, Jesse, it's self-righteous. Yeah. Like and, the, and see, while while the, you know, the, while it was self-righteous in what he said, I think it was more protecting heaven yeah. from that infection, because that whatever is in him, like how it affected Tulip, is just... That's... You know, yeah, you don't want that going around heaven. Yeah, he's been in hell for a couple hundred years, so yeah, it's gotta gotta affect you. But then, uh, you know, he threatens to send him back to hell, and little twist, uh, the, the saint is basically like, "Yeah, go ahead, 
take part of your soul to hell with me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jesse's like, oh, okay, maybe that isn't such a great idea. <laughs> so instead, he takes him for a ride in the soul truck. And they go out to the woods where Jesse sends the truck into the water after uh, getting out, of course. Cassidy, Tulip, and Dennis are hanging out, and Cassidy's trying to you know, get his son to play some PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and Jesse gets back and hides all the Saint of Killer's weapons in the bathroom floor. He looks in the mirror, and his face kind of looks slightly more pale and sunken than before. So even that little 1% of his soul wore him out a bit, and he'll probably come into play later. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's all I got. So you all talk amongst this, yourselves. <laughs> well, the, the, the obvious question is, does that mean the fact that the soul was compatible, that there's a bloodline between the saint and Jesse? I, I, yeah, I guess that's that's definitely, especially with like Pat's uh, theory bef- earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's a good possibility. I don't know if though. I don't think they. I don't think they went there in the comics either. This new. is kind of all new territory. This yeah. is now. This is. But same. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, you should, they didn't get rid of them, but we just kind of put them away for a little bit so we can jump into some Grail stuff, which looks like it's going to take up a good chunk of the next few episodes. Um. So, yeah, yeah, this was, like, a really great episode for us comic readers, too, because it was, like, twists all over the place. Yeah, the stuff that they are coming up with on their own, and I know um, Ennis is a producer, yeah. so, I mean, he might be okay and all this stuff. It still fits with the tone of... Oh, he's probably loving it. He's yeah. probably just adoring ways to fuck with the reader's heads. At this yeah, point. he strikes me as that type. I, this I, is an evil mad bastard. You know? Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely like if it was on the page, it wouldn't feel out of place with the rest of the issues. So it's it's definitely keeping the right tone where it's absolutely pitch black comedy one second and then serious stakes the next. So what do you what do you call the scene where Cassidy's stopping the sword? I mean, is that comedy? Is that tension? Is it drama? Is it nuts? Because it was nuts. Yeah, nuts mostly. Yeah, it's drama when he first starts to grab the sword, and then it's comedy by the time you realize, oh, all of his fingers are gone. Right, and it just yeah, made me think. That, go ahead. They put that remote control scene in to kind of put yeah. the button off and not be able to put it together because he's just got nubs at the end of his hand. Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't grown back yet. So. It made me think of the Deadpool scene where he you know, had his hand chopped off and he had uh, growing, yeah. growing back. Yeah. Me too. I almost thought they were going to go there with like little fingers or something. <laughs> that was kind of neat, but yeah, special effects intensive probably. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like the DNA thing is... Because presumably, I mean... You'd have to maybe it'd be wouldn't it tamper the whole soul exchange and business if you had to find a family member every time? Probably, I, I it's probably just it's probably like anything else, you know. There's either some DNA marker or a soul marker, something that yeah. is in you, whether or not it's familial. Because I, I, I mean, if if they do plan on delving into Jesse's backstory and his family, which I'm sure they're going to, because they've been leading up to it a lot this season. I, I really don't know how you tie the saint into his bloodline without it getting yeah. really muddy. Cause his, his, he's got, there's enough going on in the Longel Longel bloodline that <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to. to. 
Well, I mean, we're, we're, you know, there's Custer yeah. and how far back that goes. But, you know, the thing is, it's not like the, the saint had any surviving children, did he? No, so, yeah. <laughs> it would have to be, like, you know, it'd have to be brothers and sisters. Yeah. So. Valid point. Yeah. <laughs> mm. like every, everything they put up there means something. I mean, the Mr. Magoo cartoon at the end where it's like, you guys are blind. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Magoo have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I gotta hope. I, I my prediction is that they probably won't get to Jesse's family stuff maybe before third season. Um, uh, at the rate it's going, I no. It seems with what they got left, like you said, they'll probably focus on uh, the uh, <laughs> the religious neo fascists. Yeah. Uh, now, did did you recognize the soul technician? Yeah, yes. He was Hero's friend. Yeah, Ando. Yeah, Ando on Heroes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the one place I didn't recognize him from. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of familiar faces popping up. No, so, but this was all. I'm, this is one of those episodes that was riveting from the beginning to the end. Didn't have a whole lot of drag. On it at all, because there was it was like a left turn followed by a left turn followed by a left turn, but every one of them made sense in the end. You know, it wasn't a left turn for a left turn's sake. It was something that really caught you off balance, like Jesse knowing walking into a place where you could buy souls, and yeah, and, yeah. and knowing the equipment and everything. You're just like, oh man, okay, well, all right, let's go on from there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. we got a lot of exposition on everybody in this, you know, without really possible exception of Tulip, but, you know, without really having to make boring exposition speeches, yeah. um, except for the saint stuff, you know. But well, was... except that, Magu- that, that uh, excuse me, Tulip can MacGyver an explosive pretty much anywhere, even over the phone. Yeah, you know, um, she made a bazooka in season one out of household products. That's so. true. Yeah. Was she made yeah. a look in the, in the comics? What's that? Was she a cook in the comics? No, she like was. She, is in she in the in the comics, she's a, a failed hitman. When they when Jesse actually bumps into her in the comics, it's the first contract that she's ever on, and it goes wrong. So yeah. it's very different. Is they've made her more of a, a straight up bad girl to start uh, on this, which I, I got no we've, problem with. We've seen her twice now making food that has no nutritional value. Right, yeah. Butter pot roast in the yeah. last episode. Well, yeah, and, and her, then this these pancakes that are made out of marshmallow. Well, well it was well, a nice little callback to the season one fire where she, you know, was trying to cook for the church there, the the church crew, and, and set the oven on fire. <laughs> but but you know, I went and did did a little bit of research on the peanut butter pot roast. And that is a big thing. You go out there and huh. you look that up on the web. It is all over the places. There's billions of recipes, and people just love huh. it to death. Right. So, <laughs> so, something to be said for that. And I'm a pot roast connoisseur, so I'm like sitting there going, oh, "I'm going to have to try this." Sound like it has potential. Mm-hmm. I'm very allergic yeah. to peanut butter, so I never will. Oh but. no! But as, as far as all the foods that she makes, I mean, she's just making food for the core audience. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Badly, apparently. 
Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't need anything with, with good nutrition of value in it. Really <laughs> not, know, no. And if I do, if like I'm going to have some celery, man, I'm going to stuff some peanut butter in there. <laughs> uh, you can't go wrong with ants on a log. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, kill the conversation with the pot roast. I've said it enough. I'm waiting for our guest here, Pat, to, to give us more. Um. Shoot, yeah, I went through every. I thought at first that the woman that got the soul, but I thought that was Kay Callum from Lois and Clark for a second, but I looked it up and it wasn't. Just some lady from a bunch of schlock films. Her resume is great. Like 11 movies that all have really crazy titles. I don't have her IMDb page in front of me, but they're all pretty nuts sounding movies. Well, that's what I mean. This show is getting good actors, not just faces, which is good. So. Always. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like a Kevin Smith casting type of thing that I, Seth Rogen's like definitely like probably picking some of his favorite character actors over the years to be in these things. Well, it's so like, when, it, when's Jonah Hill and McLovin going to show up then? I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I almost expect a, uh, yeah, or maybe just a James Franco, you know, infomercial like you did with, uh, what's his name there? Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> a Franco, could, Franco could have pulled off Jesse Costa. Maybe I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm a Francophile, all right. I like Franco a lot. But I, I like Franco too, but I don't think he's he's made for a TV series. Yeah, that shitty grin is this would take me out of it too. So that's what was my biggest fear when I heard Seth Rogen was gonna do this is that oh please don't cast yourself as anything because <laughs> it just would take me right out of it. I like. Actually, there's one role that I could see him being, but I, I don't know if I want to spoil it. Don't, don't, please don't. Hang on to that. I will. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that all these little call-outs, because they almost, it was almost kind of a red herring or kind of a like, ah, you know, Lucy pulling the football away with them, uh, him asking the soul, you know, the guy in uh, Papa Babies, you know, or when he mentioned that, Angerville is still uh, still in business, you know, but of course Jesse's like, nope, not going there. Uh, but we got to get you there somehow, Jesse. Yeah. So, uh, I did like the, the ointment for the Monsignor joke was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sees him coming. Oh, Monsignor, yeah, rub this on the infected area twice yeah. a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, does anybody know what this, what Sakosha means? I have no clue. No, I, I figured that was like going to be the, the name of the company or something, but it was apparently Happy Soul Go Go or you know, or that's what the immediate translation was. Mm. Uh, well, I want to Google it. Yes, let's do that. We stuff we uh, Google basically tells you that it is the best reviewed episode of Preacher uh, <laughs> right. so far. So far, that's thanks Google. That we knew. Well, <laughs> we're giving it a pretty good review. So. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I, I was sitting there trying to look it up while you guys were talking. No, and, and I'm not really getting a whole lot. It's like, uh, we don't know what this word means either. Try separating. <laughs> uh, see, there is like a spell check. on a word recognizes S-O-K-O-S-H-A as separate words. I'm going to try that. Hold on. Uh, huh. Well, apparently it's a feminine noun singular in Spanish, but I don't know what it means. That's just that's just because it ends in an A. Getting food uh, food pictures. 
could huh. be an Asian food dish, maybe. Hmm. Oh, avocado mango soup, maybe? Oh, and that's what the guy was listening to on his... Uh... Yeah, the avocado podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. There we go. Well, I and guess that's better than, than apple, pineapple, pineapple pan. Uh... <laughs> she doesn't sound too bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we're now a food podcast again. <laughs> but no porn this week. Um, yeah, so... Uh, oh, I got it. All right. Sakosha is armored car in Japanese. Ah, there we ah, go. Ah. Bingo. Happy Glad Go Go Soul armored car. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Soul Go Go. Ah, <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with the internet in 30 seconds. Yeah. That was like two minutes. Well, all right. It's, it's going to be about two seconds after I edit it, so we'll sound a lot smarter than we actually are. Ooh. i got to say, I do like the picture on IMDb for the episode where it yes. basically shows the, the, the sainted killer standing there with his sword up, ready to go. <laughs> Cassidy and, hanging from it, yeah. Yeah. We have to make that our new... Uh, <laughs> we, we should update our Photoshop for the second half of Creature, at least. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be an appropriate one. <laughs> kind of, I kind of like, I kind of dig the uh, multicolored uh, photo they they've been using though. We've been using, we've been stealing, um, breaking all kinds of copyright laws to use. But luckily, no one listens to us, so we'll never get sued for it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. No, actually, we have proof. This guy over here listening to us, Pat Delmore. He doesn't anymore because yeah. he's on the show. I'm, try- so. I'm trying to get my friends to listen. Well, yes, we share an episode. Ply them with liquor. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, we're not above suggesting that. As long as I, they're all of age. You know. I actually met a listener um, at a comic book shop. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. yeah, so so we have two. Excellent. Yeah, well, at least three. David, we can count David Pascrell in anything. He's, he's given me a blanket uh, release signature that I can just claim that he's my fan. <laughs> uh, I am like a hundred dollars a month to do that. I don't. Um, I hopefully I don't have any fans. Hopefully, like other people have said, I have friends. Because <laughs> yeah, if I had fans, then I'd have a massive ego, and I wouldn't have time for any of this. You know. <laughs> well, you have to continue it to continue to have the fans, though. So. That is true. Don't <clears throat> let the ego make you take a, a vacation <laughs> too often. Yeah. I feel weird though looking at you know when people are posting you know pictures of their family and stuff and it's like I don't know these people I'm not gonna click. Like, yeah, I don't. I, I tend to stay away from that. Show me the comments you bought and I'll click like on that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not pictures of you hanging out with your family. Hey, I have family hey. too. Yeah, yeah, and but, I don't. You know, not on the internet. <laughs> I, got, I got a bunch of nice compliments on my wife's marbling. So yeah, yeah, that was well, pretty sweet. It was, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like and comment on some family stuff because I'm jealous that I don't have any on the internet. So, <laughs> so my, my sister's out there on the internet somewhere, but she defriended me on Facebook. I defriended my sister <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> One of yeah, them. Mine, de- mine defriended me and, and stayed uh, friends with my ex-wife. So. Uh, oh, she took yeah. her in the divorce. Ugh. Yep. Yeah, she did. Yes, <laughs> that can happen. I hear that one's for the therapist. Yeah, I mean Scott and Chris and I could probably do a whole show just called Sister Drama. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, maybe coming to a mindless dribble near you someday. Who knows? What's that, Pat? 
I said I could easily be a guest on a show called Sister Drama. <laughs> and my sister will never listen to this. <laughs> if she did, boy, I, boy, I would uh, be in trouble then. Well, within five minutes of this show, we assured that no female will ever listen to this show ever again. I called, so. Yeah, I called, I called my cousin uh, Raunchy, and then I... <laughs> Hey man, what did we say last talk. episode? <laughs> it was the, it was the cherry float. It was the cherry float joke. Uh, <laughs> like, of like, course. Hey, I was on a Thank podcast. You. I put you. it on, and she's just like, Ugh. "That's yeah. tame." <laughs> it was. It surprised it, me. It, this is a this oh. is a show where people get like ripped in half and you know stuff. Did you explain to her that you were the cherry float, Pat. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that would help. But. She alluded you know, to that. After, she alluded to that afterwards. So it's so not like, really, you know, sexist towards women. It was sexist towards you. <laughs> it's I not like it. we're. It's not like we're John Oliver advertising taint wipes for a million dollars a bag. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> taint. Dad, I don't watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> you get a kick out of that, I tell you. I think you would really enjoy that. Just for good yeah, measure, was... booger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> say we're gonna say booger. It's a rant on Alex Jones, so you'd uh, you'd, you'd dig it. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Scott, you gotta watch that. You, I think you would yeah. really enjoy it. Oh, I think I've seen all the Alex Jones I ever need to. <laughs> I think everybody has. <laughs> he was fun during the election, though, that's for sure. Uh, it's a, he's a wacky guy. This show is wackier, in a better way. It, it, yeah, yes. definitely, and less less conspiracy. Well, except for, you know... Oh, there's conspiracies. conspiracy theories about reptilians. They're foreskins. Which, which, which foreskins? <laughs> I think it's the reptilians that are stealing our foreskins. <laughs> They're on nefarious... Well, we already know that Tyler Durden's stealing our extra fat <laughs> yeah. uh, to make soap. Yeah, uh, we, we we're stealing steal rich people's money. fat and selling it back to them. Oh, genius. <laughs> I will donate any amount of my fat anyone wants to get rid of for me. I will soap also donate fat. For any other purpose they wish, uh, as long as I don't know about it. Um, <laughs> no, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, so next week is episode seven, <laughs> I think. Yes. Which is also awesome. It is. In my opinion. I have not watched it yet, so. Ah. Uh, uh, hair star aplenty. That's okay. all I got to say. All right, all right. Wow, like lots of hair star. Uh, it's just fucking glorious. So stay tuned. Yeah. Keep watching it because we'll keep recording about it. Um, yeah. What are we? What are? It's like ten or thirteen episodes a season. Let me see. I think, it's 13. I think it was thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So. So have halfway point now. Plenty to go though. And, and we got some fun stuff coming up. Defenders coming out here very soon. Uh huh. I'm yeah. excited for that. Any I am Dana. excited too, and I won't be able to watch it that weekend because I want to be in Kew Gardens. Damn it! When does that drop? Does come, when does it come the, on? The eighteenth. Ooh, yeah, okay. oh, I, I God. can watch. Regina. And uh, to get you over until then, Third Degree Burns putting out an episode on uh, – it's our Spider-Man episode. We're covering a Peter Parker issue. Uh, I'll have that out probably this weekend. Cool. Great. So I'm just finishing up the editing touches on that. Wait, the one I just started. Uh, Central Spectacular and read that one. Hmm. 
the girl the I just started set, right? dating is going to be here the weekend of the 18th. That's what she's watching. The, the <laughs> That'll be the true test. Right have, there, you, have, you, have you let her watch Jessica Jones yet? No, none of them. So it's doable. It's gonna be tough. Uh, I have to stay up later than her and do some binge watching. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, mm, I have a Netflix account. If Honeywell has a laptop, maybe I'll be able to squeeze it in. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the barbecue. That is the barbecue. That is the pig roast. I am not the one being roasted. <laughs> Do you know what I found out today? It was a weird day. Um, came across a, a dog in my backyard. My wife opened the door to let the dog, our two dogs in, and three came in. Oh. And the third one was a little white Maltese, you know? Yeah. Cute as a button, covered in mud. And so I take the dog, I put it out back in the yard, and I go, and we've got an app for the neighborhood called Next Door. So you can keep in touch with all your neighbors and tell them what's going on and whatnot. And so I put a post on there. I'd taken a picture of the dog, put a post on there. And I go to the backyard, and the dog's gone. Now, there is no place around my yard. My yard is is blocked up to make sure that our dogs, which are small, cannot get out. This dog got in and got out, or somebody put it over the fence and took it out. I, you know, I don't know. Later, I find out one of my neighbors did find the dog and took it to a place where they could check the microchip, and it's back with its owners now. Hmm. But in all the sitting there looking around, I sit there and poke my head over the fence. Now, every day, my dogs go out into the backyard. They go nuts barking at the neighbor's animals, which seemed to you know, make some odd noises back. But I never looked at them. I thought they just had, you know, like like bulldogs or, or you know something like that out there. No, they've got a pig and a boar. Oh, mm. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, they're they're they're, they're pets. I mean, I I hear them talking to them every day, you know, or every now and then. It's it they they're just their pets, a pig and a boar. Yeah. There's too much Crazy. delicious meat on a pig for me to ever make it a pet. <laughs> it doesn't always have to be a pet. It can also be dinner. That's the beauty of things like that. Mm-hmm. And eventually will be. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say they had ferrets out there, Brian. Because <laughs> you, know, you know dogs and ferrets then. They go ferrets to do not make a particularly good meal, I'm told. No. Or, or a particularly like good pet. Dogs like smell. <laughs> You're into the dog suicide bridge in Japan, right? What? Yeah. Go. So, so under this bridge, it's all these like minks and ferrets fucking under this bridge, and the dogs smell it and jump off this bridge. What? <laughs> so you, yeah, yeah. That's the most depressing fucking thing I've ever Isn't heard. <laughs> Isn't that? Yeah. Why am I laughing? Oh, so, well, we're in a look it up on the, look it up on YouTube. Dog yeah, even the dogs are fucked up in Asia. My <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you got to remember, humans in some countries, you go over there and your dinner. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. The dog's got to sit there and it's, 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 you know, looking around going, where do I go? I don't think that's a but, but Scott, how can you, though. I mean, the thing is, I understand why you're laughing. I mean, we're we don't watching want the any show. Agents listening to this podcast either, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I understand why you're, why you're laughing. This, this show that we're watching here is such a dark comedy. Yeah. So, you know, anything absurd, is really absurd, game. messed up humor. <laughs> yeah. So. The world in general is absurd and messed up humor most of the time. So. And we've just proven it to you. There's a suicide bridge in Japan. Sorry, I'm so off. off yeah, so. 
next time you're planning your itinerary uh, when you're in the Far East. You, uh, <laughs> look up look up the video because they have the most dour British narrator. Oh, God, Send us no. a postcard. Terrible seat in Asia. A dog suicide bridge. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could do it. Mm-mm. They don't show. They don't show oh, dogs jumping. Off. I hope uh, yeah. they, just, they show the. I mean, I watched that one about the Golden Gate Bridge and people jumping off. That was fine. I don't think I can handle watching the dogs go over though, unless no, it was like no, a Monty I mean, Python sketch or something. Then that would be funny. <laughs> it's like it sounds like a Monty Python sketch. Number two, the larch. <laughs> yeah. Number three, a Pekingese on the suicide bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and then throw in the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, we prove the old adage, fuck humans, but don't hurt the dogs. And, and one, once again, I'd like to point people to the uh, website I found once called Does the Dog Die, which <laughs> basically categorizes every movie ever made and, and whatever animal cruelty there is in it, so you can plan not to watch it. <laughs> See, but that's the funny thing about me. If I ever did make a horror movie, the first two deaths are going to be a child and a dog. <laughs> Probably at the same time. Just well, they cause... did that. They did that in the worst Alien movie, Requiem. Uh, Alien versus Predator, Requiem. Oh, they, they, they they got the dog and they got the kid. Yeah, you and that, it out of the way. You know. That was a the, horrible, horrible movie. The movie's forgettable. Uh, so hopefully, by the time I get around to making my crappy low budget horror movie, people will think it's fresh. I've got a title for your your movie. Nobody's used this. It's a perfect title. For a, a hammer type film, okay. And no, it's copyrighted it. to this broadcast, so no one can use it. Uh, this this is created by my uh, late friend Chris Payton. Amazombies. Ooh, oh, that oh, will that's... actually be the follow up yep. to my first zombie thought that I want to do. I want to do Grannies versus Zombies. <laughs> the <laughs> Battle of the Shamblers. Market, so I'd trademark that shit quick, boys. We got Sharknado Five coming out eh. soon, uh, so they're going to be needing new ideas. <laughs> I don't know. Though, grannies versus zombies. I think it would be amazing. Totally unrelated to any comic book stuff at all, but that's all right. That's how we roll. Um, hey, the show's educational, okay? Sure. Let's go with that. Maybe we can get a grant. Um, <laughs> they give them for stupider things. That's true, yeah. I think about the things that you've watched on PBS that, you know, you wonder why. Are you being served? I know. I wonder why. <laughs> Doubt Nabby? Sorry. Come on. I'm thinking more like, you know, ripping yarns. Actually, I love ripping yarns. Um, but a lot of the, the British shows that we got to watch uh, in the 70s, you know, my dad asked often, why are we watching this? And I said, because it's British and there might be boobies. Oh, right. That's, that's where I first saw my first TV boobies, I think. Didn't we do this on a podcast? Yes, let's alienate we, the females more. <laughs> saw we lost, uh, speaking of British shows from the 70s, you saw we lost uh, Tristan Farland from uh, All Creatures Great and Small today. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And we also, we also lost, lost. Uh, uh, Cornelius Fudge. That's the same guy. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Ah. I grew up with him on... PBS as Tristan Farland on uh, All Creatures ah, Great and Small. And see, I never, ever watched that. He had, he had this great wool hat. Which I'm going to take a selfie of myself. That's where Peter Davison pretty much got his start. How old are you again, Pat? Yeah, he, played, he played his brother on that show. How old are you again, Pat? I am 35. 
Oh, okay. You're not there that far from me then. Oh, yeah, you are actually closer to Hero. Uh, Pretty close. So you seem to have, like, the same TV taste that I had growing up, so it's kind of weird that we're over a decade apart. I stuff my parents. Yep. Yep, me too. Well, I just, I watched it because we only had fucking four channels back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. It made picking shows easier. Mm-hmm. That's what I have now. I have an antenna on my, my big screen. I get I actually get more than that in the city here. Free. Fuck you, Cable. Yeah. All right. We need to wrap it, kids. I got a thing. Mostly uh, food provisions. <laughs> All right. Wrap it and tap right. it. Knock this yep. one on the head. Yep. <laughs> And just to edit out all that stuff that we talked about, you know, the the part where where, where Hero talked about killing that woman in Ireland. What was that yes. about, anyway? I don't get that. No, that was Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, oh. Messed with the Jaguar. Ah, oh, glad somebody else knew. Okay. Yeah, so this make the editor's life even harder. Why not? <laughs> you can leave the Matthew Broderick joke in there. Oh, yeah, well, why not? Oh. <laughs> all hate mail to weekly heroics at yahoo.com. No, send all hate mail to back to the bins. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen to this show. They won't know. Care uh, of Paul Spataco. Uh, oh, it's the most delicious kind of Mexican food. <laughs> oh. Ouch. <laughs> Speaking of Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul Spataco, we're, we're, I'm, I'm still furiously trying to scoop him on... Spidey Homecoming, hopefully that'll come out soon. <laughs> but we have it in the can. Both me and Hero and the Hughes talking about it. So, Pat, you're welcome to keep coming back for these messes if you'd like. Awesome. I'll be great. I'd be happy to. I I really enjoyed chatting with you guys. Hopefully, uh, I can. Hopefully, the more of these I share with my voice on it, the more of my friends will get interested in the show. Yeah, let's just hope that uh, Beth can be back in the future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She will be. She's just working too hard right now. Well, you know, instead of taking pictures of her fucking man up and and grab a brush on one of these times there, Brian. Hey, I do my part. I do my part. To supervise? (laughs) I cook the meals. Ah. I, uh, yep. No, I cook the meals. No, we we all got, uh, different, different jobs that we're doing and all this. Um, I have no, uh, I've got very bad motor skills when it comes to uh, carpentry or uh, painting or I can't draw a straight line, much less, oh, you know, ha- hammer a nail in properly. But, you know, the thing is, if you need, you need wiring done, if you need uh, the, the computers all set up properly, if you need the, the place wired for explo- – I mean, uh, sound, I'm the, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same way. You put me in a desk chair with Excel and some, some AP stuff. And some finance stuff, good to go. And you'd Not never know that by listening to these ridiculous shows that I'm. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, I mean, the, the beauty of all this is once we get done with uh, that room there and the adjoining bathroom, uh, we're going to next transform the room I'm sleeping in right now, that Beth and I sleep in right now, into my man cave office. And we're going to soundproof it so you won't have all the. Interruptions, background noise, dogs wanting out, and all that kind of stuff that's been going on, and the birds singing in the background or whatnot. So when you say we'll be renovating, you mean you'll be cooking? Yes, absolutely. Okay, got it. Just clearing that up. <laughs> 
Are you also a sad excuse for a stereotypical man, Pat, or do you have carpentry skills? <laughs> I have no carpentry skills whatsoever. All right, solidarity. Uh, I, can, I can mow a lawn, I can rake, I can shovel. But I can pay someone else to do it just as yeah, well. Yeah, I can too, but I rent and make sure someone else has to do all that shit. But I do play catch with my son. I, I do show him how to do manly things. And last week we uh, spent at least half an hour uh, where I, I sat there and showed him the better parts of a Sean Connery accent. All right. Especially, you know, make, replacing all your S's with SH. <laughs> Will Ferrell is excellent. Have you got it in your sights? <laughs> it was a messy right. situation. There we go. We just we gotta just do a whole show of, of impersonations one of these times. Definitely, you'll rue the day you crossed me, Trebek. Suck it! what your mother said last night. All the do on um, is it Jaws? Have you seen a fine madness, Sean oh. Connery? Mm-mm. The deal is, so it's from the Bond era, but it's he's he's a he's an American in the movie. He's a New Yorker. <laughs> and he can't stop punching women in the face. That sounds like Connery in the 60s. Punch women in the face. Yeah. And, you know, you know seeing therapists and everything, just can't stop doing it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, you said this was Divine Madness? A fine madness. Oh, a fine okay, madness. Because okay, I'm sitting there thinking, wait, does he punch Bette Midler in the face? Yeah, I didn't remember. Ooh, I would pay <laughs> real money to see that. <laughs> yeah, she would have done that, too, at that time. Okay, cancel the Bette Midler interview. Um. <laughs> I don't think she would have had any problem getting punched in the face by Sean Connery. She would kick Sean Connery's ass, I think. <laughs> yeah. Frankly. It would be a good battle, anyway. Thank so that's a bigger question. Out of all the actors that have portrayed James Bond, which one do you think would actually win in a battle royal? <laughs> it won't be Pierce Brosnan. No, no. I, I never even seen a Pierce Brosnan Bond. So Golden Eye is awesome. I'm gonna go yeah, with my, yeah, uh, with my underdog at Timothy Dalton, because he was also Baron. I don't know. He's, he's, All right. he's short though. Yeah, he's he short. Sadly, Roger Moore would be the first one to go down because he can't. He doesn't like shooting. I'm yeah, talking about fisticuffs. Oh, fisticuffs. I don't know. You know, um, Daniel Craig seems to have gotten a little bit more schooling in some of the finer arts of uh, fighting. That's uh, true. Fighting, fighting dirty. And, um, and then if, if that's the case, George Lassenby would be the first one to go. Or, excuse me, David Niven and um, Woody Allen. <laughs> so next, next time on the James Bond show, <laughs> we'll be drafting Andrew Leyland to come and speak some actual British to us. And uh, this is actually Weekly Heroics. <laughs> uh, the producer needs to get me now and end this shit. So we'll be back next week, whenever next week gets here. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Adios. On the next episode of AMC's Creature. Go talk to a man about the end of the world. You want to come? Samson Unit of the Grail handles the false prophets. Spectacular. We should just take a break. Have some fun. No? He's about to get real! Can't you feel it, Jesse? That something's not right for you. <laughs>